0: One thing about being in this journalism business long enough is that you do eventually become almost as cynical as everybody else around you and everybody else before you. It's just that kind of job, all except for one day a year. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning from Bradenton, Florida. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this today. Today is the day that I've always considered to be the real opening of spring training. It's the first full squad workout. For anyone who doesn't know what that means, the pitchers and catchers come first, usually about a week in advance. A little less, five days, six days. And then the position players, a lot of whom have already been in the fold, are now required to be in. They're required to report the previous day. And then everybody together takes the field for just a beautiful sight over the four-field complex of Pirate City. And they're joined a lot of the times by greats from the past. Guys from the 1960, 1971, 1979 World Series champs. Most unfortunately, some of them are starting to fade a little bit. Some of them have been lost. But you'll still see a pretty healthy representation. The last of the champions associated with the Pittsburgh Baseball Club. And between that and the excitement that you get from the players, the little bit of an extra hop to the drills, the extra chirp to the coaches, it's a beautiful scene. It just is. It's something that, to me, transcends sports and always has. takes me back to childhood on multiple levels, including the presence of those old-timers. And this year, on top of all else, you've got Andrew McCutcheon home again. Back in number 22, back in black and gold, back in the same place where a long time ago a certain cub reporter was covering him at his stall the morning that he found out as an 18 year old that he wasn't going to make the big league roster and was so angry about it. True story that he said whatever it was that he had to say, turned around and stormed out of that clubhouse. I loved it. I loved it. This was a first-round pick who was 18 years old out of Fort Meade High School in the central part of this state. Just thought he could just walk right in and make a major league roster. That happened here. That's the hope that he arrived with. And the hope that all of them have right now, you would hope, is that this season will be different. That doesn't mean it has to be great. And you mean, it has to be very good. I don't know that you're going to see them compete, much less content. But there are variables in play now where they could. That wasn't the case last year. It most certainly wasn't the case the previous two years. This does feel a little different. Maybe it's because of the starting pitching. Maybe it's because of seeing later in the season, the Luis Ortiz, Johan Oviedo types come along and let you imagine what it would be like to have a rotation that had more than two guys. You know what I mean? That, that to me is, is more invigorating than adding Rich Hill or adding Vince Velasquez. This is the future that you're talking about, and yet it's also not three levels down anymore. Heck, I can watch Quinn Priester or Mike Burrows out here today and say those are guys that almost certainly should spend some of the coming summer at PNC Park. Imagine that. Imagine that, your two best pitching prospects making it in the same summer, what are, uh, already feels like, you've got five or six ready to go. Line up the offense? I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I do welcome the fact that Ben Charrington brought in some leader types. This team lacked that sorely last season, more than most might realize. With a Carlos Santana, with an Austin Hedges, with a G-Man Choi, who very much had that reputation just up the road here in St. Petersburg with the Rays. You've added a lot of that. I should throw in Rich Hill as well, as far as the starting pitchers go. The bullpen's got a ton of live arms. It's got a couple of live attitudes, which is also helpful in that particular category. You've got a closer. In David Bednar, you've got guys that are hungry. You've got guys that can throw flame balls. Uh, You've got mixes of arm angles, velocities, stuff. I'm not hyping it up, believe me. But on a day like this, on a day like this, it's okay. It's okay. Speaking just for myself to just see the the positives, you know? I didn't even mention the Brian Reynolds thing. Did you see that through the whole segment? Didn't even mention him once until now. Does, does that count? When we come back, J1Q. And it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from David, who's referring back to the previous episode of Daily Shot of Pirates, in which I really went pretty hard at Brian Reynolds' representation, and David. Responds with, I couldn't disagree more, DK. The, s- the Pirates lowballed Reynolds, and they need to correct that first. Calling Reynolds' agent unprofessional for looking out for Reynolds' best interests is nonsense. CAA is a successful agency. The Pirates are a decades long failure. I, uh, I have no idea what that last point of comparison was supposed to represent. I do know. That when I referred to CAA's behavior as unprofessional, I was referring specifically and pointedly and said so to the notion of receiving a single offer and then storming away from it and then on top of that, going public with a trade demand. I've been covering baseball a long time. I've had countless conversations with agents, with team executives And I can tell you that I've never, ever, ever heard another agency be accused of such a thing. This is not the norm. This is not, how did you describe it? Just looking out for Reynolds' best interests. This is unprofessional behavior. It's the kind of thing that's really unbecoming, and teams will find a way to try to avoid you in the future. doesn't mean they always can. But they'll try. And while it won't hurt them with their bigger name guys, it'll hurt them with the guys that are feeder players, meaning guys that are maybe minor leaguers or 4A guys that they're really trying hard to get a chance. Not out of any vindictiveness or anything else, but just because you don't get trusted. If you're saying, hey, you got to look at this player, you got to give him a chance, you got to, you said, why would I trust you? Why would I trust you? We made you an offer. You might not have liked it, but it was the first offer. And the first thing you did was to turn around and slam the door in our noses. And the second thing was to go find the nearest reporter and blab it all out. That's lousy, man. That's grade school stuff. Scott Boris gets vilified by, well, me too, but a lot of people throughout baseball. Boris has never done crap like that. Never. So I am standing very, very, very firmly on the original stance expressed last Friday. Trust me on this. And when I do so, it won't just be based on the representation, because even though I feel like they're the ones dragging Reynolds around by the earlobe here, Reynolds is still the one who ultimately has to say yes to whatever tactic they choose. And one thing that Reynolds did make clear here in Bradenton this week was that he and his representation are on the same page. Whether he believes that now, after the fact, it doesn't matter. He still went and said it. But now, in turn, all of them, Reynolds included, have a big mess to clean up. And a lot of that's going to just involve nothing other than CAA finding a way, well, to apologize for their unprofessional Behavior. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. I really appreciate being here today. And I'm looking forward to sharing with you a lot of observations throughout the week that I'll pick up here. Thanks so much for listening.